Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we're going to have a look at the business planning process. We'll also have our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is three steps for asking for help without looking for stupid. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Wendy Foster from Family Business Australia. Good afternoon, Wendy. Hello, Julian. How are you? Um, well, thank you very much for joining us today. So we're going to talk about family business here in Australia. So tell us a bit about the family business sector. Thanks, Julian. It's um, a much bigger and more significant sector than most people realise, I think. 70% of all businesses in Australia are owned and run by families. Um, and that's, that represents 50% of all employment in Australia. So that's quite a large yeah, number of businesses, yeah. Um, you'd be surprised sometimes also at the size of these family businesses. A lot of people assume them to be quite small. Mm. However, 50% of all of those businesses have a turnover of between 2 and $20 million. Wow. So 25% of them um, turn, are smaller. They turn over under $2 million, but that can be still quite a significant business. Mm. And 25% of them are significantly larger with um, more than $20 million in turnover. So some of the uh, largest organisations and businesses in Australia are family-owned. The average size is about $12 million turnover. So having a look at that, those sort of sizes, how would you define a family business? Okay, so have you ever heard someone try to define a small business, Julian? Yeah. <laughs> Governments go up to 50 million these days with small Yeah, business. exactly. That's a, there are a lot of accepted definitions. And the same is the case in the, in the family business sector. But it runs principally to control. Um, and the way that we've chosen to define it is that it's a business in which related family members, they control the strategic direction of the business by way of ownership or govern, governance um, and or management. And it includes that they have an intention to sustain the business across generations of the family. So a little bit different to just sort of a partnership of um, husband and wife who might think have no intention of passing the business on to their children. Mm. Well, customer care is always very important in businesses. Uh, do customers really care about a business, if, whether it's family-run or not? Apparently they do. There is an organisation um, based in, in Australia, Sydney and Melbourne, and it's called Edelman. They're a communications firm, and they do annual research. In fact, they are a family business themselves since 1952. Um, and they do annual research into something that we call, well, trust. They establish what they call a trust barometer. Mm. And they've been able to measure that across um, the world. And they can say that in all cases, except interestingly enough in Asia, that um, family businesses have um, a trust advantage. So we know that consumers say that whether a company is a family business or not is an important decision to them in making a purchase. And yet only one in two of them know when they buy from a family business um, or not. They trust family businesses over non-family businesses globally. Um, people who work in family businesses would rather work for a family business than, than an, an, another business. And consumers also say that they are willing to pay more for products or services offered by a family business. So it's quite a competitive advantage mm. to a family business to let people know um, who they are and so that they are family run. So it's interesting to see that a lot of them don't present that in their marketing. It would be a very important area to put into your marketing, wouldn't it? 
It would indeed if they realise it, yes. So, so can you give us some examples of family businesses in Australia? Sure can. Some of them you'd be surprised about. Some of them you'd probably really know. Kennard Fire mm, is um, yeah. a, a familiar one. Akubra Hats, of course. A lot of the um, farming families, the Beerenbergs, that produce all those beautiful chutneys and jams and things. Harris Farm. Um, a lot of the wineries. So Angos Wines, Brown Brothers Wines. Tyrrell's Brothers Wines, so a lot of those are family businesses. A.H. Beers, the bedding company, the mattresses people. Mm. Um, Cooper's Beers, Hague's Chocolates, Jalna, the yogurt company. Um, and funnily enough, or surprisingly enough, Canberra Airport is also run and um, oh, owned and run by a family. Well. Yes. So what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of a family business relative to other businesses? So what they say is that the family businesses believe that being the fact that they are family, that they believe that it helps them to survive economic uncertainty. And we do have evidence of this back in the the GFC. Um, It was family businesses that really led the recovery out of that sector because they tend to think long-term. They think specifically about um, the future rather than the short-term, and they invest in the business for the future. So rather than cash things up, they're making sure that they have longevity for the business, for the family. Mm. Some of the, um, the strengths that a family business have are that they have shared values and, and ethos. So you can imagine within a family, they tend to think the same way, um, and that's important that they can transmit that easily mm-hmm. to one another. They have the, um, the family support network. They can share a vision and strategy more easily than they than in a non-family business. Mm. They have a they can have a strong ground if they use it. And of course, what we mentioned before was the customer service. Seventy mm. percent um, of all the family businesses say that they they find it personally challenging and rewarding to be in a family business. But of course, there can be some some issues as well. Working with family is not always the easiest thing. And this is where communication becomes incredibly important. Um, there can be conflict within the families within the families as they're talking about where they want to go. Some of the sources of conflict can be things like the vision, goals, and strategy. You can imagine that a second generation person coming into business might want to take it in a different direction to the way mum and dad wanted to take it, or the way they took it initially, and that there could be some conflict around some of that. Decision-making can be a difficulty. Um, and, of course, you've got the competence of the family members. The fact that they are family doesn't necessarily mean that they have the skills that they need to, um, to manage the business. Yeah. But there is definitely advantage to being in a family business if it's well-managed and communication is handled wisely. And I suppose with a, with a family business, uh, sometimes it would be difficult... If the, if the next generation don't want to take it on, what happens to the business and vice versa? If the next generation do want to take it on, it makes it easy to, to, uh, to pass on. Well, that's exactly right. And, of course, you can't force someone to take on a business if no. they don't want to. Um, I'm thinking of an example I heard recently of a Japanese family business, and it's a very old one. It's about 400 years old. It's one of those... Um, you know where they have the, the springs, mm. the hot springs? Mm. 
Um, and the grandfather is currently still in charge. But unfortunately, both his son and his grandson died <laughs> early, um, and he's got no one to hand it on to. Oh. So his challenge now, in the Japanese culture, he has a daughter. But um, in a Japanese culture, they wouldn't hand it on to the daughter. Mm. Um, so they're now trying to find her a husband <laughs> so that he can <laughs> hand the business on to him. We don't have that problem here. But yes, definitely, there are children who so don't want to take on the business. That sounds mm. like they've got to change their view on women running businesses, doesn't it? <laughs> I think they're probably getting it, but that's a very old business, that one, very traditional. Right. Well, thanks very much for your time and thanks for supporting with, being with us over the last 12 months. Thanks for having us, Julian. It's been our pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wendy Foster there from Family Business Australia. Yeah, family businesses, there's a lot of them. It's amazing, those statistics of uh, the way they make up an uh, uh, important aspect of the business. And normally, of course, we'd have Christina, but she told me this morning that she, uh, she was flying to Greece and would be up in the air today, so we were not able to talk to her. So I looked around for something interesting to talk about and, found, and thought about the business planning process. Because we hear a lot about business plans and how important business plans are. And the question uh, that we ask is, for, particularly for small businesses, do we need a business plan? Well, you can look at some statistics and you can see that uh, about 20% of small businesses are really successful and about 20% of small businesses have a business plan. So there must be some connection there. Uh, and I don't think it's so much about the document you end up with. And really, that depends on the purpose of your business plan. Why, why are you producing a business plan? If you're doing it for a bank or for your partners or investors, obviously it needs to be quite a comprehensive document. But if you're doing a business plan for yourself, it probably doesn't need to be a big, heavy document. In fact, there's a lot today of one- and two-page business plans, which are very, very successful. And you can get all sorts of templates off the internet to help you put a business plan together, and it will take you through the process which uh, I'm about to talk about in a moment. Um, really what you end need ending up with I think in a business plan is a, a cash flow budget and an action plan. If you've got your cash flow budget and your action plan then you're likely to be very very successful. So it's the business planning process that is so important. So let's just quickly go through that process. The first one you need to look at is is this business right for you and the way best way of finding that out is to do what we call a SWOT analysis. It's SWOT, stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities and Threats. Now, strengths or weaknesses are internal to the business. If you're a sole trader or there's just one or two of you in the business, the strengths and weaknesses that the business has are the strengths and weaknesses that you have as a person. Opportunities and threats are external to the business. They're the things that could impact on your business, like government policies, like the economy, like the weather, um, but, uh, like technology. But you've got no control over them. You've got to react to them. So let's quickly look at, first of all, the strengths and weaknesses. The best way of doing a, a SWOT analysis is to sit down in a quiet room for an hour uh, with a pad of paper and a pencil and uh, top of the page write strengths 
and start writing all the strengths that you have and then start writing all the weaknesses you have. You should end up with a full A4 page of strengths and probably at half a page of weaknesses. Uh, and don't sit there and watch TV and when the ads come on, you do a few. Put yourself in a quiet room for an hour and just really focus on it. Then you put it away somewhere for a few days and uh, your unconscious mind is going to go to work on it and suddenly when you're in the shower or driving the car, you'll suddenly come up with another strength or another weakness to add. So add that to the list. When you've got a very complete list, you then give it to people who know you well, especially children. Children love adding those strengths and weaknesses that we forgot to put on there. So after a few days, you should have a very good comprehensive strengths and weaknesses. But the next step is a very important one. And uh, that is to look down the list and put a big tick against the things that you really love and a big cross against the things that you don't like. And if you're not concerned either way then you don't bother to put anything and what should be then jumping out of the page at you is the type of business that you should be in you should really be loving that business you should be passionate about this business because there will be ups and downs the next one is then we've got to find people to sell those ideas to opportunities threats come into that what problem are you solving for people how many of them are there out there will they buy how much will they pay what else is provi- who else is providing those solutions? This is what we call research. Research, research, research. You really need to gather as much information as you can about the type of people that are going to buy your product, why they want to buy it, the problem that you're solving for them, the prices that they're prepared to pay to remove that solution, that problem. Um, and, you know, you can't do too much of that research to really understand it. And one of the other things you need to be looking at when you're researching is what, what uh, methods do they use? use to find the solutions to their problems because the next question that you're going to have to answer is how are you going to reach them what media are you going to use to attract them to market to them and of course these days the internet plays a very very big role in attracting people you've got websites and uh, you know the staggering fig- figure is still that 50% of small businesses don't have a website um which is really staggering, I think, these days. Um, And, of course, then there's social media as well. All of that. So if your customers or your potential customers are using the Internet as one of their methods for uh, finding solutions to their problems, then you need to be there. The next one is then, how are you going to run this business? What systems and technologies do you need? Starting to systemize your business becomes very, very important. And then the final step will be to look at the finance. Will you make any money in this business? Do a cash flow budget. It's absolutely vital. As I said, one of the most important documents you can end up with is your cash flow budget. And that cash flow budget you should be continually reviewing. So every month you should be looking and seeing whether you're on track or off track with your business. If you're off track, then you need to revise it and update it for the next few months. A business plan is not a a stagnant uh, document. It's something that should constantly be reviewed and revised. So I hope those little tips help you. We've often talked about the new Enterprise Incentive Scheme program which uh, is around at the moment. Um, Very very important. It takes you through that business planning process and if you're currently looking for work uh, 
then you could be eligible for the new Enterprise Incentive Scheme. Visit the uh, uh, Business Hub at uh, Curry. Look, look at their website and you could find out more information about that. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. Time for a Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one we've chosen today. Don't let today's goals get in the way of your future. Most of us want to keep moving forward at work and in life. When you ask yourself, who do I want to be or where do I want to go, chances are that the answers involve growth in some direction. But although you can't spend all your time pursuing these objectives, you definitely won't achieve your goals if you don't spend any time thinking about them. If you want to start a new company, launch a new product or lead a new group, you have to spend time planning and building the skills and experience you'll need. Here's the key. You need to spend time on these things even when there are more pressing things to do and even when there is no apparent return on your efforts. Sometimes you need to be irresponsible with your current tasks in order to make real progress on your future self. So some interesting points there. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at family business here in Australia and the business planning process. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll visit the world of tax again with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Winston Churchill once said the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being pet care finance business and travel you'll find them all at 2NURFM.com